You are listening to Trophy Horse with your hosts, Tricky Mick, Alex, I yield to no one, Steve, and Sid. Hello everyone and welcome to Trophy Horse. This is episode 497 of the show. This week, once again, we're back down to the core of me and I yield to no one. And yield, I gotta tell you, after some of our recent discussions about glitchy trophies, I got a bone, a real bone to pick with Tripwire Interactive and Maneater this week. I'll tell you what. Oh boy. I've heard, I've heard some of this story from a friend, so maybe you've got the same thing. I'm assuming the friend is Riley. Yes. The Brain 76. Oh, yes. It's, it's, the situation's actually gotten worse somehow since when the Brain uh, first detailed it to us on a an episode of Thursday Night Rocket League over on Twitch. But, uh, yeah, you've had your recent episodes of Glitches with Trophies, and I've had my recent episodes yes. of Glitches with Trophies, and it's real frustrating, you know, they gotta be honest. It makes me, makes me want to just scream from a mountaintop. Yeah, it does, especially when they don't do, pop when they're supposed to. I don't understand, like, smaller development teams, like indie studios, can make it work, and they can have trophies pop, and then you got these big studios that can't... I don't understand what the problem is. I don't know why it's so damn hard. But, to be fair, I'm not in game development, so who knows? Maybe trophies and achievements are the hardest thing to secure in the game, and make sure they pop. Could be. I would would hazard a guess that's not actually true. But, alright... Before I go on a tirade against trophies and make your brother really happy, Yield, <laughs> let's go to our updated trophy count. I, well, Tricky, is level 620, total trophy count of 14,572, and a platinum count of, well, I'll give you the platinum count Tricky wanted us to report. The platinum count is 269. But that's not I, where he's really at. No. No, I can't remember. He's texting us and telling us which number to say, and I didn't read further as to his he, 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 why. He said 269. He's really at... What was, what was his reason? He want, He's dropping a bunch of Platinums and wants to... He's going to drop like 20 at once and blow by Daryl as a surprise. Yeah. Well, I guess he could always edit this out, but we are we are giving him more to edit, so... But you know what? I don't feel bad because after I've edited two weeks in a row, he can he can take some time to take some of this stuff out. I am level four forty nine, total trip account of seven thousand five hundred forty nine, with a platinum count of one hundred seventeen and one hundred sixteen games. Yield. I am at four five seven with a trophy count of seven seven six five and a plat count of one thirty six. I got a new one. I would announce it for you because you know. I'm a little jealous because I said that I never got this platinum and getting through the game on its most this hardest difficulty was too hard for me, but you you managed to make it through. I did it, and I, I am quite proud. Actually, I think you could do it if you went back and did it. I don't know what the holdup was. Like I said, I got to one battle in the game and just I couldn't get past it. I don't know. Maybe I gave up too soon, but I feel like I've been pretty good when it comes to trophies and platinums and just games in general of, you know, learning to quit when I felt like I was overwhelmed and just couldn't do it. Because when when I played through it, I I, I lost 
probably after the first boss fight. From there on out, I at least at law I at least lost one battle. And every battle that I lost, at least part way into it or halfway into it, I realized what I did and that I what you know, I, I screwed up. I'm not gonna win this. But we'll eke it out as long as possible because you got to spend 250,000 fans. So I just, you know, fought as long as I could until the onslaught got me, made my adjustment, and won the second, second or third time. It was the last battle that gave me a little bit of fits where I lost, I think I lost like five times. But again, once I realized what I was supposed to do, I was able to do it and move on. Before you were... We're heading into what we've been playing territory, and you're kind of going into this without actually saying what the game is. Yes. Uh, we, wanted, we want to champion Sid here before we move on from to trophies. Sid is level 518 with a total trophy count of 10,512 and a platinum count of 180. Of course, if you can't get by context, Yield is talking about Brutal Legend. He got the Brutal Legend platinum this past weekend. And uh, yeah, any, anything in particular besides what you've already said, Yield, that you want to say about the Brutal Legend platinum? Um, I'm, I'm glad I went back and played it. I enjoyed the game. Uh, the car camera I found out was giving me a headache after a while, after, after driving the car for quite a while and looking for stuff, it kept giving me a headache. Other than that, it's, it's a solid game, you know? Yeah, I know that a lot of reviews around that time came out. They were, they were positive surrounding the game, but I think a lot of people felt that the gameplay styles kind of clashed a little bit and it didn't make perfect sense. Like, it's a strategy game, but it's also, like, an action game. So, like, you as the main character are kind of... Yes, you can get in there and fight and brawl and stuff, but while you're also controlling your actions and you're fighting for yourself, you also have to control this these armies of, of people to go in and go, and go against the enemy. So it's kind of a mashup of an action game and, and a strategy-based game. Is that fair to say, Yield? That is fair to say, which at first is kind of... Uh, it messes you up, but once you get the hang of it, it, it's really not that bad. Yeah, and like I said, I think some people felt that there was a kind of a mashup of genres that didn't work. I enjoyed the game overall, even though I couldn't beat on the hardest difficulty. I did, you know, get through the game on the normal setting, and it's a shame that that game didn't sell better because it was really the game that, I mean, obviously with Jack Black being some of the voice talent, and they they had they spent some serious money on that game in development, and coming after Psychonauts, I, I think that poor sales of Brutal Legend because of the, the trumped-up development cost of that game. They were supposed to be published by Activision. Activision dropped them. EA later picked them up. But because of that game, they literally they said afterwards that, hey, we're not going to do these big games anymore. we got to go to more arcade-style stuff, like smaller games like, say, Costume Quest. I think costume that was the genesis of Costume Quest, and that's the game that came out after Brutal Legend. So, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed the game. I thought that they, as always, Double Fine does a great job of creating this really enthralling world and a really unique world with a great art style and very clever dialogue, but that was a game that just was not a big seller for them, and with a big budget like it had, it needed to be. So kind of that's why we saw brutal or we saw Double Fine switch tracks. But like you, I'm a little disappointed that it didn't sell better, but you know, sometimes that happens. Anything else, Shield, you've been playing? Uh Rocket League for Rocket League Thursdays. Um, let me see here. Oh, I've been messing a little with with Baja Edge of Control. 
trying to get certain trophies to pop that won't. I, I like that's my glitchy game, and uh, I fired up some Hitman Absolution. Played a little bit of it before we started recording. I might be done with it because I found out that I mean this is an old PS3 game that I've had on my system. I was going to play it just to clear it out. Found I got to looking and found out that the platinum's unattainable because the servers are shut down. So I haven't earned any trophies. So I might just go ahead and just delete it. Cause yeah, because not- I mean, for those who don't know, if you haven't earned a trophy in a game, you can delete that trophy list. Whereas if you've earned one trophy. That trophy list stays forever. That trophy list stays forever. So I haven't earned a trophy yet. And since I just, I happened to look a little bit bef- as we were getting ready to podcast, just out of curiosity, just to see if anything was online, because I didn't know. Come to find out there is, and it looks like the servers are off. I'm going to do a little bit more investigating before I play some more to really confirm that. But if that's the case, I'm just going to delete it, because it's not, it's not a big deal to me. It's not like something I absolutely wanted to play. I was just going to. I got it free for plus, and I was just going to mess around with it. Does that wrap you up for the week? That wraps me up for the week. I, I was really into Brutal Legend once I got Rollins. That was pretty much my entire week. All right, well, I want to give a shout-out early on to Dupes, who got the Platinum of Ken and Kenna Bridge of Spirits, so he's already finished off that game. Obviously, he made a post about it being his new new big game that he was ready to play for new game day, so uh, congratulations to Dupes on that. I purchased Bridge of uh, Kenna Bridge of Spirits last night. Haven't played it yet. Been busy all day, but I do hope to play it here within the next couple of days, so I can give you guys my my thoughts on that. But I mean, it seems like Dupes was pretty positive on it, so I'm looking forward to the to the game itself. I can't remember. I think he said it was like a cross of Zelda and Immortals: Phoenix Rising, which gives me. I'm, a, I'm okay with that. Yeah, I had already I, I already had high expectations for the game, but uh, and a lot of hope for it. So that that makes it even better. So I'm excited to crack into that game. Uh, I, I say it's, um, I think it's thirty nine ninety nine, a forty dollar game. So you know, along with this, everyone was kind of dreading these seventy dollar games coming out from here and on out. But you know, after playing Fist for thirty dollars and getting Kinderbridge of Spirits for forty, I mean, there's still plenty of great games to play for less than sixty bucks. So especially on release. So definitely uh, look, be on the lookout for my my thoughts on Kinderbridge of Spirits. However, this past week for me has been. Very much an exercise in frustration in dealing with the Maneater DLC, The Truth Quest. Now, if you watch our streams from Rocket League on Thursday nights, there was uh, earlier in the month, because I think the DLC actually dropped on the 31st. Early, earlier, Riley, the Brain76 who, who plays Rocket League with us from time to time, described the fact that he had bought the DLC and he had experienced problems with the DLC. In particular, the fact that one of the boss, fo- boss fights featuring a human character in the game was very glitchy and would crash. Would cr- I think he said he crashed his PS, uh, his console, five or six times just yes. going to the mission. And just so you all know, this is a mission you have to to complete to get to the rest of the game. Like there are no, like you get to a point where this is the only mission you can do. So if you if the game crashes and screws you here, you can't get to the second half of the content, which really sucks. So I see reports online. That people were, the game was crashing, but when they came back in, they would go to the the marker, the objective marker, and no one would show up. The enemies wouldn't show up. You also had something where people, the game would, I guess, think that you defeated the boss. Uh, her name is Bar- uh, Admiral Barbara, Barbara Terranova. That you would beat the boss, but then when you, you wouldn't get credit for the trophy, and then when you came back, I guess that you couldn't progress any further, and... 
the game had launched you to Infamy level 6, where the top level for Infamy that you can get after beating Terra Nova is 5. So you would end up with this really strange Infamy number of 6, which was not possible by the game standards. So just a lot of bugs and glitches around this one encounter. And not only that, every single one of the trophies, all 12 of the trophies in the DLC, have the potential to glitch out on you and not unlock. So, obviously, I, I you know, after hearing that, I was like, okay, I want to play the Truth Quest. I like Maneater. I'll wait until they come out with a patch. Last week, the uh, Tripwire Interactive posted that they had come out with a patch and they were releasing it soon. And that, actually, no, it was the week before. So it came out this past Thursday and then the Thursday before is when they posted about it. So they said that they came out with a patch to hotfix... Uh, uh, among a num- numerous things, they critically patched the Terranova boss fight to make sure that it didn't crash consoles. Also, they were had the game code look deeper to make sure that trophies that were not lo- were not popping for people were unlocked, so that customers were rewarded for you know the objectives that they had cleared. So, I mean, they communicated that they had you know they were still working on that they work on the issue and they said hey they seem to understand people's frustration and say hey we want you guys to be rewarded for what you're doing within the game which is great so they released the patch and i see that the the patch is coming out so i buy the dlc and i'm like great so the problems are fixed so i'm playing through the dlc and i actually uh the patch didn't come out until a day or so later so i played to a certain point i get seven trophies pop trophies are popping fine before I get to the Terra Nova boss fight, though, I stop playing and I wait for the patch to come out. Patch downloads, so I'm playing the game, and then from here on out, after the patch, the last five trophies, none of them unlock. Not the Terra Nova one, not the one for beating the last Apex Predator, not the one for 100%ing the, the new area, Plover Island, or for completing all the objectives in the DLC... Not the one for completing all the stupid relay, relay relay races. More on that later. So basically, yeah, I went online, went on Twitter, went on the trip, the tripwire forums, and basically people are saying the patch did nothing for me. People are you know people whose games crashed, you know, and and couldn't fight Terra Nova still can't do that, and they're still not getting the trophies. I mean, just a litany of problems, and, and a lot of people are still saying, hey, the trophies aren't popping for me. Some people have played the game three times. Some people, I saw some guy said that he had played it 10 times. Ouch. And so, I mean, obviously if you don't back up your, your your save via the cloud, if you get to this point where the game is bugged out or you pass a mission where you don't get the trophy, you could potentially have to start the main game and then come back to the DLC later. So, this has just been a humongous clusterfuck. Especially with the patch coming out and being like, I paid $15 for the DLC and I only popped seven of the 12 trophies despite the fact that i finished the game it's infuriating it makes me honestly next time tripwire comes out with a game i this will i will remember this because i probably will not support their game in the future or any other like the next game or any other games in the future because to me if you cannot if you're selling me a product and first of all you sell a broken dlc to people and then you know if you can't even get trophies to pop then how can I entrust the quality of your future games? So I'm in a very bad mood when it comes to Maneater and Tripwire. And I think this DLC overall did more to hurt the game than it did to... It did more to hurt Tripwire and Maneater than it did to help. Because a lot of people just seem extremely frustrated with it. And to be fair, Tripwire seems to understand that. But it's not their, you know, their, their communication, which they have said, 
in further posts about people saying the patch didn't work, they said that they're passing along feedback to their QA team and they're, they're trying to figure this out. It still doesn't alleviate the frustration of I paid $15 for this DLC and the DLC, I'm not being, I'm, I haven't earned or gotten what I've been sold. Regardless of whether you think trophies matter or not, or whether you think that, you know, it's like, oh, well, you got through the game, the DLC, the who cares, you were able to experience everything, but the trophies are still part of what they're selling me. The games industry and Microsoft and Sony have made a point of selling us trophies, and people even buy games based on trophy lists so that they can pump up their numbers. So trophies are a part of games now. So if you cannot deliver that, you are not giving me what I paid for. And I feel like if Tripwire cannot get this stuff under control, and especially with the people who cannot progress in the DLC, they need to start investigating re- refunds. Like, I'm, I'm sorry, if, if I buy a DLC and it's worked in some way and you can't fix it, you owe me a refund. I mean, you'll, do you think that's fair? No, I mean, I can't argue with you. I mean, you know, it's not working. So you were kind of sold a, 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 a faulty product. And and I feel like, I, I mean, did they QA test it? Probably. But I feel like when you get to a point where there's a mission that you, that just is, crashes other people's games and basically won't let people progress, I feel like you didn't test that thoroughly enough. Like, I feel, it's not like, you know, there's some big Bethesda game, some huge open world game in, like, the Elder Scrolls series where someone goes to some far, like, corner of the map and some, like, small bush jumps in, and they, like, trip through the map, and they, you know, they glitch through, and they're able to walk around, like, lines of code or some shit like that, or they get stuck. It's not like that. This is a main mission in a game that you tell people to go towards, and it crashes their console. What does that tell me? It tells me you didn't QA test this well enough. So, I'm I'm not happy as it is with, with the, the DLC. I would say, and not only for just the, the glitch trophies, I would say just the, the content of the... DLC, I would recommend that people stay away from this because I don't think it's a particularly good... Even if the trophies popped, it's not a good DLC. So, as I've said before, playing Manhunter... Or Manhunter. Playing Maneater, being a shark is a lot of fun. Just doing shit sharks do. Swimming around, eating things, like, that is a ton of fun within this game. And the fact that you can get... You get older and bigger as a shark and you learn new... You get essentially new... Uh, abilities as you go on like that's all really great so like the shark rpg part of it or shark pg as they call it as tripwire calls it that stuff is really fun the dlc the first half on plover island which is the the newest area that i mean it's fun um there's obviously cool new boss fights against reskin you know you got some of the apex predators from the the main part of the game but they are given new skins and that they are given powers like a bioelectric skin or uh, a shadow skin or uh, a bone skin to make them more hardy they're giving new covers essentially so that you know these are all things you've had access to and you can equip your shark with but now you have to go up against enemies that have those and large apex predators like yourself that's a really cool idea i really like that again the apex predator fights in the dlc as in the main game are a huge highlight and they've got some new uber apex called the atomic leviathan which is really cool in itself so you know, just playing the Plover Island, the first half of it was really cool because the missions, you know, it seems like they had improved a lot of stuff with the missions. You know, it doesn't take you as long to have the the human hunters come after you. You don't have to kill as many humans or destroy as many ships. You don't have to go on land quite as much to eat a lot of the people and, and fulfill the quests. So it seems like they made a lot of improvements that I had complaints about 
in the in the first half of the DLC. Then you get to the second half of the DLC. After you've taken out all of the the human hunters, you go back to the main game, and essentially it's you are investigating all these these uh, catastrophes that have happened because of the new a- Uber Apex Predator. You're essentially tracking the new Apex Predator that you're eventually going to have to fight, which is a cool concept. The problem is, is that you get into all like these time trials swimming through rings that when you're in water is not a problem, but then they force you to flop around on land for large sections of these these relay races, and it's like, this is, okay, now you're starting to less accentuate the, the stuff that's fun, which is swimming around as a shark, and you're you're just making me do stupid side quests where I'm flopping around on land as a shark, which is the not fun part. And you've got more and more missions where it's like, jump on land and eat people, instead of like, hey, be in the ocean and eat other animals. Like, So, they start just bombarding you with all these stupid side missions and objection... Obje- uh, Side, que- uh, side quest and option optional objectives when you get back to the main map as you're you're tracking the uber apex so they're bogging down the game with all these stupid side missions just because i don't know whether to um elongate the game make you feel like you're 15 worth it uh the time trials were a new thing they introduced in the dlc which i'm sure they wanted to hey Let's give them something new to do. We need some new objectives to kind of freshen it up. But time trials with a shark, especially when I'm jumping around on land, not the best thing to do. And I think Riley, when he was first talking about this on the Rocket League Thursday, was something that uh, he had he had hit on. So, so far, like, everything good that they've done in this DLC, they've kind of pissed on in retrospect. You know, the first half was, you know, fine. You didn't feel bogged down with a bunch of crappy missions. You get to the second half, it's like, damn, there's all these stupid optional missions I have to do, and a lot of the time is spent outside of water. Great. I really want to do that. Then, as you go on, you have these segments where you are fighting the reskin bosses, so one of them is is an electric great white shark, which is really cool. It looks really cool, and it's a really cool concept, and again, that's a power you had uh, before, but you're now having to deal with that in another Apex Predator. But, over time, they start replicating these boss fights so you have to fight multiple shadow orcas or you have to fight multiple um, bioelectric great whites and it's like i hate when they games in general i hate when they repeat boss fights because that makes the original boss fight feel less special because now they're just kind of like another enemy instead of this one special boss fight so they pissed on that they had these cool new designs for these apex predators brought them back and then all of a sudden oh you've got to fight them multiple times which is it just, again, it makes them feel less special. So they pissed on that. And then one of the things that I was kind of disappointed about with the main game was the fact that the Apex Predators weren't kind of like these big trumped up things. Like they weren't just these massive enemies. Which, to be fair, they're going for more realism. I get it. it you know, Apex Predators are still really cool. For instance, the sperm whale that you fight in the Gulf, it's it's kind of an homage to Moby Dick. It's really cool. I love it. But I kind of wish that they, like I said, were kind of fantastically gigantic well the new uber apex takes care of that because the new uber apex the atomic leviathan is massive fucking huge so okay great it's like i'm i'm this mega shark that's level 40 and then i'm coming up against and this new uber predator which is level 100 okay awesome so the thing looks cool it's huge i've got all i want once you get towards the end of the fight, and this thing, this thing is not easy to kill. I mean, it's it's fast, it's huge, it does tremendous damage, it has armor. So just fighting against its, it in itself is hard. Then when you get to close to killing it, it calls upon three other Apex Predators 
a sperm whale, an orca, and a great white, and they're all coming after you alongside the Leviathan. So I'm like, what the fuck? You didn't need to make this much harder. You didn't need to have him to, to call all these cronies. Just to fight one-on-one -on -one was hard enough and satisfying enough. Why, why did you do this? So they even ruined the final boss fight with that shit, so... I mean, overall, the glitch trophies are annoying, but the content within the DLC, it seemed like any good thing they did, they took two steps back. So, it's... I, I just wish that they had done more of the fun stuff, which was be a shark, swim around, and destroy things, and less of the bad stuff, which is, hey, be on land, flopping around, dealing with land-based physics with a goddamn shark which can't fucking breathe on land, so... I wasn't a huge fan of this DLC. I would recommend that you don't buy it because for $15 to have to deal with bugs and glitches on top of, you know, being frustrating, tedious, and at times just like making you play as a shark in ways that you don't want to play as a shark as, I would just avoid the Truth Quest DLC because while it does put a fun spin on the on the game itself, the original narrative, which is, hey, there's a, a nature documentary guy who turns now into, in the Truth Quest, a conspiracy theorist and just a crazy conspiracy theorist like that is fun and the dialogue is still fun the dlc and the gameplay is just kind of a huge problem overall there's good but there's a lot of bad too so i i would recommend that everyone stay away from the dlc i don't think it's that fun and it's a buggy glitchy mess so D despite how cool the last apex predator is i don't know if it's worth playing through that game to get to it because so much of the dlc so much of the content there is one step forward two steps back Yeah, that is that is my tirade against Maneater, because I'm I'm gonna be honest, that's as about as disappointing of experience with a game as I've had in a long time. Not the main game. The main game, every trophy pop for me, it was fine. I do know that there are people out there that are having trouble trouble with the trophies in the main game too. But I enjoyed the main game, but the DLC, just my god, bogged me down with crappy missions, glitches, bugs, even, you know, repeating boss fights and then having the, you know, the final leg of the final boss fight, which was fine, just one on one be a gang up on you it's just it's just not fun it was i didn't enjoy it so i i hate to end man eater on a sour note but a dlc didn't do tripwire or man eater any favors at all so hopefully if they release any future dlc which people have said that there are posters hinting at within the game hopefully they can uh can fix some of these problems so because for now tripwires on my shit list with uh cd project red so not good no but you know as frustrated as I am with Maneater, I can I'm definitely looking forward to playing Kindred Bridge of Spirits. I feel like that's that's going to bring me back. That's going to get me back into, you know, you know, get me out pull me out of my little black cloud, my little rainy storm cloud that I'm in right now. Kindred Bridge of Spirits of course, as I said, dupes is already platinum it. I want to get into it as soon as I can, but one of the things they didn't really share about the game ahead of time was a photo mode. So, this article comes from the PlayStation blog. Uh it's actually, uh, we're, this is from last week, so we're going a little bit uh, back into the past. But So if you have Kindred Bridge of Spirits, this is part of your game experience. You can already uh, play around with this. The title of the article is Say Cheese, Announcing Kindred Bridge of Spirits Photo Mode. This is written by Thomas Varga uh, of the production team from Ember Lab. Quote, looking forward to Kindred Bridge of Spirits PlayStation launch on September 21st. Again, it's already, already launched. We are very excited to announce a special feature we've been keeping under wraps for quite a while photo mode you can activate photo mode all along your adventure and capture epic and adorable photos of your journey characters will freeze by default once you enter photo mode but you can resume action to bring them back to life 
As you move the camera, they will keep their attention on you, following and engaging with the camera as you set up your perfect shot. Our favorite part is the cheese button. Once you've set up your, your photo angle, you'll have the option to have the characters in the photo say cheese and strike a pose. Many characters have multiple poses, so don't miss getting a great variety of fun shots in the same location. It's also a fun way to get to know the characters better. Developing photo mode and the cheese function were exciting animation opportunities for us. Not only does this function introduce another entertaining element for players, it also allowed us to showcase characters' personalities as we developed each unique pose. Throughout development, so much of our focus went into the dynamic story moments, epic action and battle animations, and beautifully crafted cutscenes. But we also wanted to focus on the characters at rest. Who are they on their off time? And are they a little more shy? Are they a a total ham? We hope that getting the chance to check in with every character is more peaceful. Interim moments helps you fall in love with the characters of Kenna's world, just like we have. Which, I mean, honestly, I think a lot of games would benefit from photo mode. I was playing Fist Force Shadow Torch, and doesn't have a photo mode, so with the PlayStation 5 and the share button, it doesn't pause the action. So if you want to get a shot, a really good shot, you're going to have to do it quick, because a lot of times like I would want to get a shot, like head into a boss fight in Fist, and the game doesn't pause, so I would have to get quick shots in order to, you know, like I would have to be quick about it, or otherwise the boss fight would start, and I'm left myself there open to attack. You know, and there are times when you'd want to get this perfect shot in Psychonauts, but then, like, you would have text appear on the screen and there you know there are certain moments in fist where you want to get this perfect shot but as the the game continues it starts you know showing text at the bottom you have uh text on the on the bottom of the screen to relay what the characters are saying and you get a wall of text in your screenshot which is is no bueno i don't want that i want my screenshots to be just the image of the characters and the context that they're in and the world they're in i don't want to have just text on my screen so um, and it also, you know, leaves UI on the screen. You have to deal with, you know, taking this picture, but you get taken out of the world because there's the UI in the corner. So I think photo mode would be beneficial to a lot of games. And, you know, of course, we've seen it in a lot of games like Goshima. We saw it in Horizon Zero Dawn. So I'm really glad that this was added in Kinderbridge of Spirits because you can tell the team worked on the just the the graphical appeal and the visual appeal of the world and the characters. So I'm glad to see that we're actually going to have some time to spend, you know, actually craft photos of our memories. Because, you know, trophies, trophy lists give us a chance to go back through games and see what we've experienced and kind of relive memories. But photos and photo, like from photo mode, that's the perfect way because you can go back and take a picture of this specific scene or this moment between two characters or a certain boss fight that you kind of want to remember. Like, it's, it's a great way to remember and relive the experiences that you've been through without having to, you know, actually replay the game. So I think photo mode is a huge benefit to games. And I, I just like to see it in more games, Yield. Do you, do you ever use photo mode in any of the games that you've played? No. I don't. By the time I think about, oh, that'd be a cool picture, it, th- that moment had quickly passed. In, I mean, I think that on the PS4, the, the share button was good enough. But again, on the PS5, it doesn't pause the action. So you're kind of left, you know, sometimes you'll get the shots you want, other times you won't. So I, I think that, you know, being able, letting people pause the action and get photos when they want to is, is a definite boon for not only, you know, Sony and the PlayStation console, but anybody who does it on any console. I just, I want more of that in video games. There is a market for that. I will agree. And unfortunately, there won't be a market for Fortnite on iOS devices. You know, did you did you see this? Did you read about this? I, I did see it pop up. What was it? Was it on, was it on our Facebook feed? I think I shared it with you. And I think, yeah, 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 that's where I saw it then. I, thought, I knew I saw it somewhere. So, 
to no one's surprise, Apple is a little bit, uh, has an axe to grind when it comes to Epic, based on recent suits that were settled in court. So, um, from Destructoid.com, this article posted by Eric Van Allen, Epic CEO says Fortnite has been barred from iOS until final court verdict. Quote, it looks like Apple owners won't be able to hop back into Fortnite anytime soon. In emails posted today by Epic CEO Tim Sweeney, Apple has barred Fortnite from the Apple iOS ecosystem until the final verdict in Epic versus Apple has been delivered. In a series of tweets, Sweeney says Apple lied when it said it would welcome Epic's return to the App Store if it abided by the same rules as everyone else. Sweeney says Epic agreed and that Apple went back on its assurances. The message posted by Sweeney says Apple has exercised its discretion to not reinstate Epic's developer program account at this time and will not consider further requests for reinstatement until the judgment is final and non-appealable. This effectively bars Fortnite, bans Fortnite, sorry, me. This effectively bars Fortnite from returning to iOS for the time being. And in a series of tweets, Tim Sweeney says that this could be as long as a five-year process. So don't expect to be playing Fortnite on your iOS devices anytime soon. Um, of course, um, from the article quotes, just to give you kind of a little roundup, if you've missed this this tale uh, that we've been talking about, if, you, if you've missed the news on this, here's a little roundup for you. Quote, a ruling was made on September 10th saying Apple must follow other forms of in-app purchases while also affirming in a separate judgment that Epic was in breach of its contract with Apple. Epic has already filed an appeal on the ruling. So... Uh, Essentially, Apple was not happy that Epic made uh, circumvented their payment system, and instead of people having to go through Apple Store to buy V-Bucks, Epic, not happy with the fact that Apple took a 30% cut on purchases, they found another way, basically within the game of Fortnite, to sell people V-Bucks. Uh, that led to a clash between the two in court. Uh, the interesting thing to note about this, Shield, is that in a separate judgment, uh, quote, that Epic was in breach of its contract with Apple. So as I had said, I found it, I, I was kind of, curious as to why epic won the suit but it seems like the court ruled that in fact epic did breach its contract with apple by creating this separate system so i mean that's just an interesting note to come out of this um yeah i we'll see where this goes i'm sure there will be no, more news of this in the future Quite, more to come yeah probably not anytime soon because as this legal process goes on i mean apple is probably looking to appeal this so they're not going to just take this decision lying down uh, Epic already appealed the uh, the ruling that they were in breach of their contract with Apple. So there's going to be lots of appeals that go through courts between these two. These two aren't done squaring off. So we'll probably hear more news in the future, but not anytime soon. It'll probably be quiet on the you know in the short term as all the the law uh, the law proceedings uh, the legal proceedings um, proceed as they all unfurl. So. But yeah, just more in the the saga of Epic and Apple. I, I it doesn't surprise me that they blocked epic from coming back to their system because obviously they're very pissed at epic at this point well yeah it, it, it's not surprising that this is the legal way that they can stick it to them and again it seems like both sides were in the wrong you know maybe people feel that apple is taking too much from developers you know because in the in the ruling i believe you know with the 30 in regards to the 30 percent cut the the judges or the courts ruled that Apple could not put a number on the actual value provided to developers by being able to use Apple systems and their framework. And then, of course, in a separate ruling, it was said that Epic breached their contract. So it seems like both sides are in the wrong on this, in some form. Yes, it does. Which I don't think anyone was coming out to defend either Apple or Epic. But uh, No, it doesn't sound like it. 
yeah, I'm going to be honest. Just let them slug it out. To be perfectly honest, I don't. There, there, there you go. I, I I don't think that there would be a winner in this fight where somebody stands back and go, yeah. Instead, it's just beat the heck out of each other. Yeah, and you know, hold on, I'm, I'm transitioning here. Just give me a. No, that's it's fine. Not always smooth. Not that easy, huh? You know, instead of beating the heck out of each other, maybe Apple, Apple, and Epic should focus on beating the heck out of the road, out of the pavement, because as we learned from the most recent playstation showcase gran turismo 7 is on the horizon coming out next march march 4th 2022 and we've got the pre-order details for anyone who enjoys some simulation racing this comes from the playstation blog it's written by ken chan the senior product manager at sie sony interactive entertainment gran turismo 7 pre-order items and 25th anniversary edition detailed Quote, following the recent of Gran Turismo 7 trailer from the PlayStation Showcase last week, we are excited to finally share details of the Gran Turismo 7 25th Anniversary Edition and the bonus items you get with uh, Launch Edition. Bonus items and 25th Anniversary Edition. Buy the Launch Edition at any participating retailers, including PS Store and PS Direct, and get the following bonus items in-game. Toyota Castrol Tom's Supra, Mazda RX Vision GT3 Concept, in parentheses Stealth, Porsche 917k living legend and 100,000 in-game credit the 25th anniversary edition ps5 ps4 retail or direct from playstation this includes a limited edition steelbook case with physical versions only and is available for pre-order now or at retail or direct from playstation includes ps5 game disc and voucher for ps4 game so you're getting the ps5 and ps4 versions there in-game credits totaling 1,100,000 Toyota GR Yaris with country-specific livery. 30 manufacturer slash partner of avatars. The music of Gran Turismo official soundtrack. Toyota Castrol Tom's Supra. Mazda RX Vision GT3 concept. Again, uh, in parentheses, stealth. And the Porsche 917 Living Legend. Again, this is a limited, time, limited edition physical release, so be sure to pre-order the, your 25th anniversary edition while supplies last. 25th anniversary digital deluxe edition, the PS5 and PS4, on the PS Store. For those looking to get a jump start with their car collection, those that purchase the digital deluxe edition through the PS Store before March 4th, 2022, would get the pre-order items, including dual PS4 and PS5 entitlement. Again, you're getting both the PS4 and PS5 versions for your money. In-game credits totaling 1600000 Toyota GR Yaris with country-specific livery. 30 manufacturers slash partner avatars, the music of Gran Turismo official soundtrack, Toyota Casserole Tom Supra, Mazda RX Vision GT3 concept, Stealth, Porsche 917K Living Legend. The pre-order offer ends when the game launches on March 4th, 2022, so make sure you don't wait. You don't wait. Lastly, for those looking to upgrade their PS4 standard edition of Gran Turismo 7 to the Gran Turismo 7 PS5 Digital Standard Edition. There will be a $10 upgrade option at the time of release. Again, going forward, including Gran Turismo and God of War, you will pay that $10 fee to upgrade from the PS4 to the PS5 version. So, yep, there we go. Everything with the 25th anniversary edition for Gran Turismo 7. I know, Yield, that you and I are not huge when it comes to the simulation racing games. We like our more arcade style games. But, I mean... For anyone who, I know that 
Gran Turismo 7 is a huge PlayStation franchise. So I'm, I'm sure that there are plenty of people out there who are definitely excited about it. Oh, yeah. the And the Anniversary Edition looks pretty slick. Steel bookcase and the cover that goes over it looks pretty cool. I am trying to find the cost of this. Yeah, I mean, the steel bookcase I it, definitely... I think, it was 90, I think it was 90 bucks is what I saw. Okay, yeah, that, that's what I saw, but I just wanted to make sure that I, I didn't imagine that. So, yeah, you know, even if you're not a Gran Turismo fan, the steel bookcase looks pretty slick, and they are do seem to be including quite a bit of content in there. I don't know how far the in-game credits go, so over a million sounds pretty impressive, but then again, I don't know. We are talking about a game featuring very expensive cars, you know, simulation-style racing, so I don't know how far that'll get you. But yeah, I mean, it seems like a pretty cool bundle, and it seems like Sony wants to do proper when it comes to celebrating the 25th anniversary of Gran Turismo, because Gran Turismo's been one of those series that was on the original PlayStation, so it's, you know, we're on the fifth PlayStation, so it's it's always been there. You know, we've got newer franchises, but it was kind of like the one one of the franchises that helped lay the base for the PlayStation family of consoles. So I would definitely still like to see, you know, uh, Polyphony Digital and Gran Turismo do well. Because I, yes. I feel like in recent years, they've kind of, everyone, when it comes to like the premier racing game, I think everyone can agree that that's Forza Horizon. And that's one thing that Turn 10 and Microsoft have done really well. They've done extre- like They've done amazing with that franchise. And I feel like, in retrospect, a lot of people have kind of looked at Gran Turismo as kind of like the little brother and kind of falling behind. So I want both franchises to do well. I have no reason to not want Forza to do well. But I also, you know, I want Polyphony Digital and Sony, uh, for this being one of kind of their their older, more legacy franchises, I want to see Gran Turismo do well, too. So I hope I definitely hope Gran Turismo 7 is a big hit when it comes out. So do I. No glitches. Is that just in regard to the glitches we've experienced, or is is, is as, Gran Turismo as a whole- known? Uh, as a whole no no just the ones that we've experienced and we go from the very very new in Gran Turismo 7 to the very very old uh which is it is being given given new life here in the Disney Classic Games Collection this article comes from destructoid.com and is was posted by Chris Moyes you know for any of you who think that games now are too easy then maybe you should go back and play some of the old Disney games from the SNES Genesis days uh Disney Classic Games Collection announced for PC and consoles Nighthawk Interactive has officially announced the Disney Classic Games Collection, a compendium featuring some of the House of Mouse's biggest releases from the 16-bit era. This collection had previously been leaked on Games Rating website, but has now been finally confirmed for a fall release on PS4, PC, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. Disney Classic's game collection will include not only the Sega Genesis and Super Nintendo releases of 1993's Aladdin and the Jungle Book, as well as 1994's The Lion King, but also features several Sega Game Gear and Game Boy iterations of the three platforming classics delivering all-in-one package of 1990s cartoon goodness. Alongside faithfully replicating the additions of all the included titles, Disney Classic Game Collection features a selection of old-school screen filters, 1080p widescreen presentation, options, safe states, and a rewind function. Additionally, a jukebox mode will let players enjoy the full range of soundtracks from all included titles, while a digital museum is packed out with images, video, and interviews taken from the game's development and marketing campaigns. Quite a package for Disney diehards in your life. Disney Classics Game Collection launches this fall on PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch. You know, it's kind of funny that they're only focusing on, I guess we call them the last-gen consoles and not putting them on the newest-gen, but uh, yeah, I mean, for anyone who grew up in the same generation as we did, Yield, we remember playing these games, and we remember them being hard as fuck. Oh, yeah, there was no easy mode. It was just hard. And yes, even though... 
I made the comment about, you know, hey, try these because they're much harder. The, one of the key things about this is the save states. So there are save states where maybe you'll finally be able to complete these games. Which I, I never have been able to do, to be honest. They they were a little bit above my head. And I was I was a little bit over my head when I played these games. But it'd be, it'd be cool to actually be able to... To finish them you know that is one thing despite the fact that safe states have made games easier i'm going to be honest i would really like to play the original battletoads with safe states so i could actually save my progress and come back to it and see the end of the fucking game yield i don't know that'd be nice <laughs> that would be nice i'm not gonna lie and it just seems like this is an extremely packed out package you know with the game gear games included along with the sega genesis game gear games you get the soundtrack so you get the jukebox mode you got the 1080p widescreen presentation. Like, there, you know, images, interviews from, you know, the developments of the games. Like, there's a lot of really cool stuff in this package. So, I saw this and I definitely wanted to highlight it, you know, for because we have a certain generation, you know, a lot of the people who spend the most money on games these days, 30-somethings, 40-somethings, they remember playing these games. And we do have a lot of people who have an old-school mentality to them. They love playing the retro games. So, yeah, I mean, Tricky, playing a lot of retro games... For his be legit, Levi talked about how he loves the old school games. And I know Yield, you and I are big old school fans. I love my Mega Man, my Punch Out. So, like, I just thought this was a really cool story that I wanted to share with our listeners and the community because I feel like a lot of people would probably want to go back and play these games. Oh, absolutely! There's a lot of fun. I mean, I'm sure people have a lot of fun memories of those games. So, bring them to a current console is it, it, nice, and you know, it gives the people a chance to bond with their kids. You know. We have Disney Plus, so we have a lot of Disney content at the, the tip of our fingers these days. Maybe parents kind of want to sit down with their kids and, and play these games and just kind of show them because Lion King and The Jungle Book and Aladdin, like they're they are you know favorites of the of our generation and, and you know very younger kids too. So this could be a great way to bridge generations and allow parents to play with their kids. And yeah, so I did, I just think that this I'm super positive on this, you know. I was cranky earlier in the show, but after talking about Ken of Bridge of Spirits and laughing more at the assholery of Epic and Apple, and then talking about a Disney Classics game collection, I'm, I'm, I'm in a much better mood. Can you tell? I can tell. Yeah, and I might, you know, there's a good chance that I might buy this collection because someone's got to, I think there's a boss fight against Ka, and Ka's kind of an asshole, so I kind of want to kick the shit out of Ka, Yield. You want to you kick the shit out of your Shere Khan too? Ka and Shere Khan? Sure! Sure, let's do it. Go into the Cave of Wonders and find the magic lamp. Great stuff. Great stuff. Fuck you, Scar. So, fast forward from the 90s, getting back into the more present day with The Last of Us Day, which of course is a yearly annual celebration based on the, uh, that has been, uh, been a thing since 2013. This comes from PlayStation.com. Annually, since 2013, we here at Naughty Dog have celebrated The Last of Us Day, a special event that gives us the opportunity to recognize and honor the passion and support of the incredible Last of Us community. Scroll down to check out the exclusive lineup of items, content, and promotions for The Last of Us Day. So every year, they release a bunch of new content, some exclusive items, and, and do kind of all kinds of promotions, discounts, stuff like that on The Last of Us Day. Uh, new for The Last of Us Day 2021. Last of Us Part 2 covers and rarities now streaming. Looks like some kind of like documentary series or some kind of in-depth behind-the-scenes thing. Last of Us Part 2 Joel statue from Dark Horse. Last of Us Part 2 covers and rarities vinyl from Mondo. The Last of Us Part 2 accessories by Taylor Guitars, which looks like it um, pictures a few straps as well as some picks. 
The Last of Us Part 2 GS Mini and 314 CE by Taylor Guitars now available in the EU. Last of Us Part 2 Homewares from the PlayStation Gear Store, which pictures which pictures a couple of uh looks like just kind of a carrying carrying cases, some bags, some knapsacks, almost kind of like a, a a not a briefcase, but kind of just a little carrying case, a little leather case for carrying things. And Last of Us Part 2 apparel from the PlayStation Gear Store, which features Long sleeve shirts, ho- a hoodie, a t-shirt, and, and a toboggan, it looks like. So, all kinds of good stuff coming out for the the Last of Us Day 2021 edition. So, yeah, if you go to PlayStation.com, Tricky actually posted the link in uh, in one of the, the threads on Trophy Horrors in, on Facebook. So, you can you can use that thread to get there. You can use that web address to, uh, to get to the page where they detail all this cool stuff. I did try to click on the Last of Us Part 2 uh, covers and rarities to, uh, to kind of get more insight into that. But it just took me to an error page. So if you come to this this page uh, on Wednesday after the show is released, hopefully they'll have more information on that. Yeah. But uh, Sony, as I said last week, I think that The Last of Us has been the landmark series for Sony. Whether I think it deserved Game of the Year or not is a separate thing. But I feel like that it's kind of one of Sony's biggest franchises, given, given that it's you know brought them so much praise and brought Naughty Dog and Sony so many awards and so much just coverage in the media and just so much praise for how they push video games forward. So it's nice to see that they are making an annual celebration out of The Last of Us because you know there is a lot of love out there for The Last of Us and you know they they clearly can market this and and you know further progress the uh, and grow the community through through this special day so you know, do you think that do you think that they should do this with more games or maybe is there a game that they don't have something like this for that you feel like it'd be really nice if they did something for the community like an annual thing beyond just doing like say a 25 or 15th anniversary collection like they've done with Gran Turismo uh, you could do something like that with uh, uh, Horizon Took the took the answer right out of my off my tongue. Yeah, it'd be really nice if they did something every year for Horizon because I feel like that's a franchise that that would continue on. And even even if you don't like, you know, there's a, a definitive ending point for a franchise or a series. Even if there's definitely going to be a final The Last of Us, I feel like they could still beyond that, you know, continue the 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 legacy of the game and the community and release cool new stuff because people are always going to want to wear you know hoodies from their favorite representing their favorite games are always going to listen to the music. They're always going to want to have some kind of cool figurine. So I feel like they could definitely continue this even beyond the life of the, the console series like Ratchet and Clank. If they don't do an annual thing for Ratchet and Clank, I feel like that's something they could definitely do. So yeah, I, 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 I honestly would like to see a Sly Cooper thing for this. I'd like to see them release more Sly Cooper. Yeah. Merchandise Sly Cooper would be good. Twisted metal. Like I, you know, I, for these, not just for The Last of Us and the newer franchise, but for legacy franchises like Gran Turismo, like Twisted Metal, you would like to see them do more things like this to celebrate their game series every day. So every year you may not get a new game in a franchise, but there's a certain way that they can celebrate and you can, you know, buy merchandise or take take uh, advantage of promotions. Maybe they're selling DLC or games on, you know, promotion or sale. Like, I feel like there's a lot of really cool stuff they could do every year just to celebrate a franchise. And I'd like to see them do more and more stuff with this, not just, you know, one game series or two. Well, Yield, we've already gone through one series of lawsuits with Apple versus Epic and another another company that's been brought into spotlight in a very negative light recently has been Activision Blizzard. And, you know, we had uh, a few weeks back or maybe a month or so back, we had Roe on to talk about this stuff with us and just kind of what seems like is a really kind of a, a huge shitstorm right now and a really embarrassing time for Activision Blizzard. 
as all kinds of accusations come out against you know the company and just kind of as we talked about before a frat boy culture that has been cultivated there and allowed to fester and just kind of run rampant we actually had this posted on last week's agenda but i decided to cut it for time last week but i definitely wanted to give you guys an update on activision blizzard and all the things that have been going on with them because as we find out more and more activision is really looking like a clown show like they like they Activision looks like a really poorly run company, especially as the way that they treat their employees. And, you know, if I'm certainly going to sit here on my soapbox and say that I'm not going to support Tripwire for the fact that their DLC is a buggy mess and that they release a broken DLC for people to buy, I'm certainly going to get on my soapbox and yell even louder when it comes to how Activision Blizzard is treating their employees, which it seems like is really shitty, Yield. Like, they're treating their employees really shittily. Yeah, it does. They've got issues. So this article comes from IGN.com, is written by, written by Rebecca Valentine. The title is Activision, Activision Blizzard Employees File NLRB Suit Accusing Company of Union Busting and Intimidation. Now I'm going to sit here and, and read this entire article. I know that I give tricky shit about that, but I also this is one, one of those times when I, I definitely want to give, I think all the details are important, so I want to give you guys a full view of everything that's going on. Quote, employees of Activision Blizzard under the banner of the ABK Workers Alliance with the support of the Communication Workers of America Guild have filed an unfair labor practice suit with the National Labor Relations Board, alleging the company has engaged in union busting and intimidation of workers. In a press release sent out by the groups today, ABK Workers and CWA accuse Activision Blizzard of using coercive tactics to attempt to prevent its employees from exercising the rights to stand together and demand a more equitable, sustainable, and diverse workplace. It is their right as workers to organize, uh, quote within the story, it is their right as workers to organize for a work environment free from abuse, discrimination, and sexual harassment. And this is right. This right is protected by federal labor law. It continues. Quote uh, back to Rebecca. The complaint itself alleges that Activision Blizzard has threatened employees, told them they cannot discuss wages, hours, or working conditions, maintain an overly broad social media policy, and then both engaged in surveillance and enforced its policy against employees who engaged in protected concerted activities. One anonymous employee reportedly told Vice that some of the more outspoken employees at the company had recently been told their work performance was not up to standards, despite it being good previously. Another said that the company had recently been hemorrhaging people in the wake of the harassment lawsuit against Activision Blizzard. Said lawsuit was filed by the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing earlier this year, alleging that Activision Blizzard fostered a frat boy culture in which female employees were subjected to sexual harassment, unequal pay, and further unfair, discriminatory, and harassing treatment over the years. The subsequent weeks saw an industry-wide outcry against the company's culture, including numerous current former employees sharing their stories of mistreatment at the company on social media and with the press. And an employee walkout. Sorry, that kind of... I, I dissected that last sentence there. I don't know, don't know why I did that. Um... But yeah, that all included an employee walkout. Quote, the ABK Workers Alliance was formed during this time in response to the suit and the purpose of demanding better from the company for its workers. Activision Blizzard has since made some moves to address the issues, including the termination of a former number of employees accused of bad behavior, the removal of in-game references to multiple people named in the suit and other accusations, the replacement of former Blizzard President J. Allen Brack with co-leaders Mike uh, Yara and Jen O'Neill, and just a hiring of former Disney VP Julie Hodges as the new, uh, as its new chief people officer. If you all remember that when we had Rowan to talk about this initially, the president of Blizzard, J. Allen Brack, was the guy who released a statement saying, oh, you know, we don't condone this, blah, blah, blah. And we all 
very heartily called out bullshit for that. So, and it seems like a lot of people in general read the statement and online were like, "This is just this is uh, PR damage control. You this is this is bullshit you are spouting to make your company not look as bad." And lo and behold, later on, Jay uh, Jay Brack is gone. So we all we all saw through that shit. Going back to the article, quote. However, ABK Workers says that the company has not meaningfully addressed its publishing demands, which include its published demands, which include new recruiting, hiring, interviewing, and promotion policies, publication of representative data on employee compensation, a third-party audit of the company's HR reporting processes, and executive staff, and an end to forced arbitration. To the latter point, ABK Workers tweeted today that if the NLRB rules in our favor, the ruling will be a retroactive and we will set a precedent that no worker in the U.S. can be intimidated out of talk out of talking about work or about forced arbitration. Now, this goes even further because I saw an article on GameSpot uh, previous to this article on IGN. Um, the title is Activision Blizzard Accused by California of Shredding Abuse Evidence. Uh, this was posted on August 26th, 26th by Jeremy Winslow. In an update to its anti-discrimination lawsuit against Activision Blizzard, the California Department of Fair Employment and Housing has accused the video game conglomerate by shredding, of shredding evidence related to investigation. According, and this is a, an, in regards to the investigation into sexual harassment. According to Axios, the DFEH said... Activision Blizzard has engaged in activity that made it non-compliant with the investigation. DFEH called out the company's human resource personnel for tearing up documents, which it says violates Activision Blizzard's legal obligations to return pertinent information. The department also called attention to the hiring law firm Wilmer Hale and said requiring employees to speak to the company before going to the DFEH directly interferes with the agency's ability to investigate, prosecute, and remedy workplace discrimination and harassment violations on behalf of employees and contingent or temporary workers. The amended lawsuit also cl- changes its classification of the group that it claims Activision Blizzard discriminated against. Axios noted that the word employees has been replaced with workers to include contract or temporary workers with the company periodically shuffled uh, shuffles through for projects. When reached for comment about destroying evidence, an Activision Blizzard spokesperson said the claims were false and the company took appropriate steps to retain relevant information. Here's a quote from the Activision Activision Blizzard rep. With regards to claims that we have destroyed information by shredding documents, those claims are not true. We took appropriate steps to preserve information relevant to the DFEH investigation. An Activision spokesperson said over email, the spokesperson also sent over a broader, more comprehensive statement tackling the entirety of the DFEH DFEH's lawsuit in statement Activision said Activision Blizzard said it has compiled with every proper request to not only aid the agency's investigation but also to implement reforms to ensure our workplaces are welcoming and safe for every employee. You can read the full statement below. So Activision continues to look like fucking shit. And so again, as I said, that we saw through their PR uh, management tactics, their their crisis control. We saw through it. Jalen Brack is gone. And now they're constantly, there's constantly being more and more, it seems, dirt being dug up on Activision Blizzard. So you'll, back in the day, all it took for me to get pissed off at Activision Blizzard was, say, Drop Brutal Legends, so EA had to pick them up and publish it. Or Drop the Ghostbusters video game, so Atari had to, to pick it up and publish it. You know, no longer are they just the house that flogs Call of Duty every year to the chagrin of everyone in the industry. Uh, well, not everyone. People still enjoy Call of Duty, but, you know, it just them continuing just to focus on pumping out sequels for that game definitely hasn't done them any favors in the light of many people. And, you know, you've got them, what they did to the Guitar Hero series and how they, you know, eventually, after putting out so many editions of Guitar Hero, ruined the Guitar Hero series. 
So they've done Absolutely. a lot of negative for the game industry, you know, dropping promising games, destroying franchises because they just were pumping them out for money. And now it comes to the treatment of their employees, you know, allowing female employees to get harassed, not allowing them, you know, certain promotions, definitely uh, that glass ceiling, them basically keeping that glass ceiling in place and, and not allowing certain people based on their gender to progress beyond a certain point. It's just, it's, it's one thing after another. And, you know, we have seen in articles and, you know, in responses from Activision Blizzard themselves, Jay Allen Brack said that anyone, there's an open door policy and anyone can come talk to us about anything they want. Well, now there are allegations that they are destroying evidence of, you know, abuse. We had said that because these, these problems have been allowed to fester, that they probably, they had employees come to them and these, obviously these employees didn't feel like they could go to them anymore because, quite frankly, they either weren't listened to. This frat boy culture was allowed, again, to fester more. And the fact that, you know, they probably weren't doing anything with the evidence, and we learned that they are allegedly trying to get rid of evidence, which Activision denies. But Activision just – it they just look awful in this entire situation. Like, I don't, I don't know how anyone could want to support a company like Activision when they just treat their employees like complete shit. Yeah, it, it's going to be hard to come out of this. I mean, you they're they're not in the running for uh uh the evil empire like EA is for nothing. I mean, they No, go ahead. Well, I mean, we I mean, we used to shit on EA and Activision and call them the evil empires just based on them just closing studios based on the for the poor financial performance of certain games. And like I said, just basically not taking good care of your IP and just basically doing everything you can to make money off an IP, regardless of whether you were devaluing it with every single release that you threw out. And, but when it comes to how you treat your employees and how it affects their, their livelihood, not only like their pay, but also their well-being, their physical and emotional well-being, you've stepped into another realm of shittiness. And at this point, I don't even know how Bobby Kotick, the CEO of Activision, still has his fucking job. Why is he not gone? I understand that the company has flourished under him, but good God, that's a guy that needs to fucking go. Well, especially if you can't get this under control. I, yeah. I So we recently, I think the last time Tricky was on the show, we talked about how they're planning to do more for the Crash 25th anniversary. Guess I'm not playing Crash Bandicoot anytime fucking soon, because I'm sure as shit not giving my money to Activision. Like I, I can't tell people what to do with their money, but I hope w- that people would look at the situation and see what Activision's doing and just how they treated their employees and think, you know, if a company was doing this to me, how the fuck would I feel? And would I want other people to give money to me? So, look, I can't tell any of you to what to do with your money, but goddamn, like, I sure as hell can't feel good about myself at night and, and fucking give money to Activision and allow them to, to keep doing, uh, allow them to continue to facilitate this shitty culture that they have with their workers. So, yeah, they they definitely need a a company overhaul. And look, they've made some changes. Obviously, the workers there feel like that's not enough, which is why we continue to see these lawsuits deepen and expand outward to include more of what's happening at Activision. I do hope that Activision gets this the fixes this. I mean, look, do you want to see an entire game studio publisher shut down and have a bunch of people be out of jobs no but at the same time you want to uh, you want people to go to a workplace that is safe and that allows them to progress and allows them to 
meet if you know if they're willing to put the time and effort in meet all their career goals you want to see everyone have a fair chance to progress and progress their career you want to see people just have a a nice place to work where they don't hate it where they're spiritually mentally physically where they are happy where they're in a safe place and it doesn't seem like it's activision these days so i would like to see activision write this ship i would like to continue to play crash bandicoot games or you know any good games they might come out with in the future but i don't understand I, I can't feel good about giving activision money under the circumstances so i they definitely need an overhaul when it comes to the culture of their their um their workforce with their executives with the people who are in charge they need to clean house here. They need to do a lot. They need to bring in not just not just basically get rid of the people at the top and then promote people from within. Maybe there are people that definitely deserve promotions from within, but they need to be bringing in people from the outside to clean up this mess because the PR night the PR nightmare that they're going through right now is not going to just go away. And people are still going to find put the magnifying glass to the situation, and they're probably going to find out even more about Activision Blizzard. And it, the situation is just even going to get worse. You know when you talked about. We had Ro on, and we talked about how one of the female employees, after going on, you know, a work trip with um, other, I, I think that it was uh, another male employee that, that had, you know, harassed them. That you know, that female employee had later killed herself for, you know, what, whatever reasons, you know, maybe, maybe tied to that. But the fact that you have one of your employees commit suicide, and then this culture continues, continues on. Like I, I don't understand why you don't put the kibosh on it because you just ignoring it at the top level when all this stuff comes to light is only as we saw with jay allen brack it's only going to hurt you and hurt the image of your company so i i think they they need to do a lot here like you said there needs to be an overhaul where they need to get a whole new group of leadership in there and anybody who is problematic or has caused trouble there or has certainly obviously at the base level harassed anybody they got to go get them out of there because they this is kind of like you have, like in the Gulf, you have a, like a, a toxic spill. You have a an oil spill in the Gulf. This is kind of like what it is for Activision because right now the waters are really dirty and awful. Like it's an awful environment. Like there are a lot of problems. There's a lot of poison running through the veins of this company. And it's kind of like an oil spill in the Gulf where now you need to do a massive cleanup in order for people to not look at your company and be like, fuck them fuck activision blizzard i mean i heard that people were jumping off of world of warcraft and droves and going to play something like final fantasy 14 so they need to do something before people just write them off completely as a company because like i said i like crash bandicoot but if you think i'm giving activision any more money to play crash bandicoot you are fucked because i'm not giving them a single cent anymore until they remedy all these problems and they actually make a better workplace for their 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 employees and then like as the the article said for their temp workers and people who they cycle in and out to you know help finish projects they need to make the environment the working environment better for everybody and get rid of this toxic work environment shit you know, I feel like I've gone like a roller coaster i've gone hills and valleys here with i don't say you you just came back down from your high i mean i'm not i it's not that i, I I'm in a bad mood. It's not like I'm, I'm still very high on the video game industry. There's still a lot of positives to, to be about. But when I see something like this, and, and hopefully, you know, any of our listeners, when you see something like this, it's just awful. Like, there is, there's one thing to, you know, to be frustrated about a buggy, shitty game. Well, I shouldn't say shitty, shitty but you, a buggy DLC expansion. It's a complete other thing to read about. You are contri- about contributing to, like, one of the biggest publishers in the industry 
and how they treat their employees. And we've seen all these stories of crunch from every developer and every publisher. And anytime it comes up, it's just like, we, like, we have to be against this. Like we, we can't allow ourselves to contribute to an industry where stuff like this is allowed to happen in the shadows. I mean, we don't know all the details from every publisher and developer. So maybe it's not just Activision stuff like this is happening at, and maybe it's worse at some places, but goddamn, when stuff like this does happen, we can still be very positive about the video game industry, but at the same time realize that there are definitely areas like an oil spill that we have to clean up. And that we have to recognize that when stuff like this does come to light, that, you know, we definitely all need to, I know you don't like cancel culture yield, but for God's sakes, like something like this, Activision definitely deserves, you know, all the villagers to come together with, with torches coming at them with torches and pitchforks with a rally cry saying, you all need to fix this shit or we're going to fuck shit up, essentially. Like, we're going to leave you in the dust. I can't disagree with you there. Yeah, so this is shitty for anybody who works at Activision and basically just goes about their day in an honest manner and, you know, treats people well and just wants to do their job and put out good games. But as a whole, Activision has a lot of fixing to do, so. Yeah, their, their management's got to go. Yeah, I mean... Honestly, just and, and even if you want to look at it as like, oh, well, you just got to clean house for the sake of PR, like for public relations alone, you have got to just make some sweeping changes. And again, more than you've done now, because the workers, the employees, they're not happy with what's been done so far. So Activision, whew, they uh, they got some work to do. All right, y'all. Well, obviously tricky. Not here tonight. He did do us one big favor, though, and he posted in the, the Trophy Horse Facebook group that, hey, we need some questions. And I gotta say that for the second week in a row, when the cat is away, the mice will play, because we got a bunch of questions again, Yield. I don't know. Do, awesome. Do you think it's the, that people are like, I don't know, why do you think we get more questions when Tricky isn't on the show? I, you know, I don't know. I, maybe they don't like his devil advocate. Yeah, definitely. Cherokee definitely loves to play the bad guy. I, uh, I don't know. I don't want. I don't want to to accuse him of trying to stir controversy. But goddamn, he's been trying to do a lot to uh, to bring the fanboy wars back. Yield. Uh, you called him out he, on it a couple yeah, times. I've I've called him out on it. Yeah. No, nobody in our group necessarily cares about the console wars anymore. That's because most of them own both. Or because we've we've grown out of that. We've grown. We've matured a little bit in the last. You know, 10 years so you know i feel like we will uh i feel like through our through our through our age we've become wiser more sage-like and we've been like you know what this fanboy word bullshit is it's just not worth it anymore well uh one day amen one day maybe 20 years down the road we'll get tricky on that train he will he will become sage-like like the rest of us time to check Social media, yeah. it looks like uh, this discussion that Tricky started has 26 comments. So let's, uh, what do you say we jump in here? Yeah, let's dive in like sharks. All right. And well, have let's a go get a couple of these questions. tasty questions. Like they're, they're little right. fat seals. In, in reference to uh, Levi's remark last week about dupes being asleep, Mark says, I have some this week because I'm awake. Best gaming box art. Worst gaming box art, any era is fine. 
best piece of gaming music. And I, I guess we'll say one song there and not an entire soundtrack. Oh, let's see here. Best gaming box art. Um, I guess I was always a fan of Zelda's box art. Off the top of my head. Um, I don't really have a worst gaming box art. Best piece of gaming music. Uh, Brutal Legends was pretty good. With having the licensed metal and some rock and roll in there. Um, but I would probably have to say RPGs would probably have your best gaming music. I know uh, Chrono Trigger was spot on with their music, and RPGs seem to go really heavy into, you know, setting the tone with the music. For the best gaming box art, just off the top of my head, I've got to go with Ratchet & Clank or Kraken Time, because the the very front of that box art was a close-up on Ratchet and Clank's faces, but they were melded together. You know, Ratchet and Clank are a team. So it was split half of Ratchet's face and half of Clank's face, which I thought was a real, really cool thing. And of course, like, you know, there's that split in the middle because there's a significant amount in that time in that game where Ratchet and Clank are apart. So the fact that, you know, hey, they're together because, you know, they're this unbreakable duo, but then there's that crack in the middle because they do spend some time apart. I just, I just thought that was a really cool way to kind of foreshadow the gameplay without telling, you know, without using any words. Worst gaming box art, honestly, the the Mega Man games for the the first three Mega Man games had some pretty b- bad box art. I'm gonna, I guess, if I had to pick one, I would go with Mega Man One. The original Mega Man had awful box art. And best piece of gaming music, I would say, is the song uh, the Song of Storms from the Ocarina of Time. I love that song. I used to actually, when I uh, would go into a boss room, I'd actually play that song before stepping into the boss room because it was my war song and it got me ready for battle. So I love the Song of Storms. Rick commented on Dupe's question. Gaming music for me is anything by Nobu um, Nobuo uh, Umatsu. I listen to his stuff on headphones all the time, particularly like these two. And it looks like that was from the... Rick posted a, a link to the Final Fantasy IX uh, original soundtrack. Uh, it looks like the song is Darkness of Eternity. And he leaves a link there for anyone who wants to listen to, to follow that. Dupes said, not open them yet, but mine is opening uh, Final Fantasy VI. What a moment that is. He also says, Nobuo Umatsu is a genius. Rick replies, without a doubt. Mark says, Final Fantasy IX choice is top notch. Uh, also has the greatest Final Fantasy character of all time. Rick says, when the piano gets going in the first third, in the final third, chef's kiss. And then, uh, Rick also comments with a question mark, Vivi, and then Mark says, always Vivi. So if you haven't played Final Fantasy IX, you may not have any ideas, as I, I'm kind of clueless as to what Rick uh, and Dupes are going on about there. But uh, again, if you want to listen to, if you want a little bit more insight into what Rick is talking about, he did post a, a link to the Final Fantasy the Final Fantasy IX soundtrack, or at least two selections from that. Dupes again. Also, previous generations of consoles have certain seen certain games influence the type of game that are heavily pumped out on that console. In terms of the PS4, it seemed like a lot of large open-world adventure types games, Horizon, Days Gone, Goshima, they're all fantastic, but in terms of gameplay, very similar. Would you like more of the same formula or more originality from Sony? Uh, before we give our answers here, Levi says, these big title Sony games are kind of like playing the same game. Dupe says, I like them all, but they drain me a bit by the end. Levi says, I enjoy them too. 
So what do you think of this one yield? More in-depth question here than just, you know, what's your favorite song from this game? It's, uh... So, I I enjoy open-world games, but I do agree with what Levi and Mark were saying, that there were a lot of open-world games. Kind of daunting to the point of you wanted to play them, but, oh, it's another open-world game. Um, I enjoy action games, action-adventure games, so I don't, I don't want to say go away from action-adventure games. Maybe less humongous open worlds because there's a fine balance of doing a big open world game but not getting repetitive with side missions or whatever it's it, it's a really fine balance and it's really hard to hit i personally would like to see a little bit of the platformers come back kind of like uh trine trine was able to do a different take on platformers over the three and and uh a, you know into the four I would like to see platformers come back. Hey, Yield, do you know what, you know what game will help you with that? What's that? Fist Forge and Shadow Torch. Fist, yep, that I am playing on picking that up. You know, honestly, I understand the point that Dupes is making, and, and you know, Levi seconding that. I, I understand that. But when it comes to something like Ghost of Shima and Horizon, I never felt like I was playing the same game. And, and of course, they were spaced out enough where it could give me some time where I wasn't quite so drained by playing. Open world burned out? Yeah, so... I mean, I don't play GTA anymore, so that definitely helps. I, I don't play a ton of open world games, but that, I do kind of speckle them in there. But even, you know, if you're like the progression of the story or like the, the kind of the way the world is laid out is a little bit, feels a little bit samey when you play Ghost of Shima and Horizon or games of that ilk. I still would point out that the combat is very different. The characters and the story, they're all very different. The narrative style is different. Like what you're actually doing in the games is very different. I mean... In Horizon, you got to climb the tall-ass brontosauruses, the tall necks, in order to get a better view of the map around you. There's nothing like that in Ghost of Tsushima. So, I mean, the Ghost of Tsushima, you have the haiku, haikus, you have the, the fox dens, so there's, and the combat is nothing like Horizon. So, to me, there are enough differences between these huge games and their settings and the characters to where I don't actually feel like I'm playing the same game. So, I, I understand the point, but I honestly don't feel the drain as, as other people maybe have. So I, I'd say it's going to keep going with their, with their strategy and, and what they've been doing. Cause I mean, let's be honest, these big open world RPGs, these big open sandbox universes, that's a lot of what people want to play these days. I mean, sure. You want people who want a more linear, linear experience. Well, but I don't know. I don't feel like there is just this avalanche of open world games that makes me think like, man, this, this genre needs to calm down. It needs to cool it a little bit. So I feel like with Sony's biggest games, you know, Ratchet and Clank, that's nothing like the progression that happened, nothing like the world, the sandbox world that was in Goshishima or Horizon. So, I mean, you know, The Last of Us is still very much a a very linear experience because they're kind of paving the road for you and they want you to experience the story in a certain way. Games like Uncharted and even even the newest Ratchet and Clank, they have had sandbox segments contained within them. But beyond that, you know, it's it's a linear experience beyond that. So you had moments, that one chapter in Uncharted 4 where you were in the Jeep and you had to travel around the large area. You also had one of those kind of segments in Lost Legacy as well. But by and large, those games are still very linear when it comes to their progression and story. So I feel like there is a good mix within Sony's portfolio, and I don't feel like it's just all sandbox games at this point. Kirk, 
Curtis adds, happy birthday, Tricky. Yes, today, uh, if you've listened, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, which hopefully you haven't shunned us that you're not listening anymore, but when you listen to this on Wednesday, Tricky's birthday will have come and passed, but as of the Sunday, the 26th, happy birthday, Tricky Mick. Rick posts, or asks, I should say, if Sony discontinued trophies tomorrow, how much, if at all, would your gaming habits change? So for me personally, I uh, they wouldn't change all that much. All along when I played games, you know, if I played a game, I always tried to one hundred percent. You know, back in the day, I tried to one hundred percent one hundred percent Psychonauts. I tried to one hundred percent Donkey Kong sixty four. I did actually get all the golden jiggies within Banjo Kazooie. So I've always tried to one hundred percent games. I, I didn't try to leave anything on the table. You know, if I really really enjoyed a game. So for me. It definitely wouldn't change much. I would still try to 100% games. Now, would I do as many playthroughs? Well, no, because typically with trophies, you have to play through on maybe a hardest difficulty setting. So I, you know, that's one thing that could be cut short is maybe I wouldn't have to play through certain games twice or three times maybe, but I would still try to, you know, 100% games because I am a completionist and I was always a completionist before trophies ever came around, so... It wouldn't change a ton for me outside of maybe lessening the number of playthroughs that I had to make through a game. Yield, sir? So for me, um, yes and no. Uh, yes, I may not go back and play some of the older games that I that I like missed my first time through, you know, unless I like really, really wanted to play it. Um, I would be like you. I'd play through it once and then be like, okay, I beat the game. I enjoyed it. Now I'm on to my next one. So I would get through more games. Um, but then also I wouldn't play like as many older games. Like right now I probably wouldn't be going through as many three games because I know I can get the platinum in them and they're available and they're there. I might, you know, ah, I'm done with that. I'm moving on, you know, in that aspect. Um, so it would change, but not a block. Well, let me let me give you an example. Infamous, the original Infamous, one of the trophies you had to play both sides. You had to play both good coal and you also had to play evil coal. If yes. I could hundred percent the game is just playing through my one playthrough as good coal, I would have never played the evil side. You know, even though it was fun yes. to play through evil and just not give a shit and just unleash your powers in the city willy nilly, I kill them all. And let God sort them out. I, I would probably wouldn't have played on evil coal, so I would have just played as the hero and because that's I mean that's just the way I typically play. That's the default for me in any game. If I am in choice between to play as a bad guy or a good guy, I always go for the good side. So that's just kind of a, a specific example of how I, you know, I would still play, you know, play that game to completion and hopefully get 100%, but I don't know that I would need to play through as the evil side through our second playthrough. Homer says, Rick, already know what Alex Saunders is going to say, so I'll prep my why are we bashing trophy collecting on a trophy collecting podcast retort. To which I replied to your brother, Yield, I'll prep my response, and it was a gif of Spider Bart Simpson, because I had to get the little Halloween reference in there as we gear up for spooky season, a little web that he, that he slings that says, eat my shorts. Mark says, Rick, would you do anything different? For me, it's an obsessive need to find everything, but I think I've been the same since the NES, searching every area of a game. Homer says, this is true, and for games I really enjoy, I tend to also find every collectible in secret just for the enjoyment as well. Rick, 
I was trophy hunting since the beginning over two accounts, but I quit at the start of the year, so I've already changed my habits. Really, if there's a game that I'm really into, then I'll try and do slash find everything. But most games, I just play until credits and move on. I've played games this year that I never would have when I was hunting because trophy list would have put me off. Mark says, in response to Homer, it's a generational thing. I think as a kid with NES and NES outside of rentals, most people had a small stack of games and you hammered through those games all year round so you could you did everything you could. These kids with their Game Pass and PS now don't know the struggle. Dupes also, in response to Rick, says, I'm the same now. I play a game to completion if it grabs me. Homer, in response to Dupes, so true. I, uh, I yield to no one and I were lucky to get a game for our BDAs and Christmas. If the game was bad or mediocre, that was tough cookies. You played it until there was nothing left to discover. Can you verify the validity of that statement there, Yield? Oh, yeah. There were games that you would rent because, you know, there wasn't the internet and there wasn't widely a lot of video game magazines. So you'd go to the store and you'd look at the box art. Oh, this box art looks kind of cool. Turn it over, read the back of the game. Oh, this game sounds interesting. Let's rent this game and take it home. You'd be like, oh, man, this game sucks. Well, I got it for three days. You know, depending on when you rented it, well, might as well do what we can do. Can you remember from your all's childhood any particular game that was really bad, but you played it anyway because that was the game you had to play? Uh, no, I'm sure there was some in there, but no, it's probably some of those things you just box out. Oh, so Yield has pushed it down into... Uh, in it, it, push down the uh in further into the his subconscious games. so that's like yeah. uh, in psychonauts 2 when you have to find people's emotional baggage and you have to sort it as a collectible so there you yeah, have yeah. some emotional baggage that you're trying to yeah so, someone's got to send raz in there to dig it out yeah so you're you're repressing some of those terrible games that you and homer had to play homer when you listen to this show take to facebook Post and let us there. know what some of the crappy games you and and yield had to push through to finish off this part of the conversation dupes in response to homer Yep, Nintendo Power, which, let's be honest, misled us more often than not, was our reviews or friends in school. You made a bad choice or chose a demon of a game. That was insanely hard. You got good or struggled. So I guess he's just saying there, you uh, you made your bed and you lied in it. And until yeah. you know you were able to somehow, some way, birthday or Christmas, able to get another game. I'm going to finish off the questions this week. Our uh, our banger week of questions here, second in a row. You guys are are throwing us out some great questions, so keep it coming. Let's even though Tricky's likely going to be back. Actually, no, Tricky has been back next week because Yield and I know what's coming. I'll I'll give you guys a little preview here after we get through this last question. But Homer asked, "What's the one piece of gaming music that has impressed you the most over the years?" Easy for me. One of the the songs that I listen to for from a game the most. I know that I said Song of Storms earlier for one of the questions, but different answer. Probably my favorite piece of music from any video game ever comes from Okami. It is called The Sun Rises. It is an awesome piece of music. Uh, I love that song. I, I still listen to it this day just in the car. You know, when I'm at work at, at times when uh, the store's not open, I will pop it in and listen to it. Uh, a feel-good song that they play, they pull out, it, like Clover Studios pulled out at the perfect time in Okami during the final boss fight. Kind of like doom and gloom and all of a sudden the sun rises and the song pops up and it's like, my God, this is literally like the perfect song for the situation. So a great feel-good moment. That also makes you as Amaterasu feel like a fucking badass and you could take on the world. That leads to the overturning, the the momentum shift in the fight and allows you to, to finally defeat the uh, the evil monster of Okami, the, the big bad in Okami. Just fantastic moment and that song just evokes those emotions for me every time I hear it. So the sun rises from the Okami soundtrack is uh, 
a masterpiece? Uh, I'm going to probably say uh, I'm, I'm going to go back to earlier and uh, Chrono Trigger and uh, all the songs from um, Ocarina of Time. It, it just, it, it, the music helped with the story as you had to play the all the different songs to unlock things and help solve the puzzles. So Yield, I noticed you went back and after I mentioned this, appreciated my eat, the Eat My Shorts gif that I sent your brother. I did. Because obviously, well, Homer gets stuffed, reference to Homer Simpson. I had to hit him back with something from, uh, from Bart, so I feel like Eat My Shorts, in this little struggle we got going on between him, him on the side of very pro-trophy and me kind of wishy-washy, he, uh, he's got to be the Homer and I'll be the, the, the very bratty, annoying Bart Simpson. And uh, yeah, I'll tell him to eat my shorts every single fucking time. But also, I feel like Bart is a spider has to be from a Treehouse of Horror, Horror episode in Yield. It is. Do you have a favorite? I mean, I think I don't watch much Simpsons these days, but I definitely was a fan back in the day. I've seen my fair share of Treehouse of Horrors. And yes. I assume that you have as well. Do you have a favorite have. story or segment from the Treehouse of Horror? Because obviously Treehouse of Horror I... is generally like one episode, but it's three smaller stories within that episode. So I always liked the ones that had the aliens in it. Kodos I and Kang. Those were, yes, I always thought those were at were at the best. Either if it, if it had a story, or by the end of the episode, they were somehow in it. And I felt kind of probably in the early seasons of The Simpsons is where they hit their stride with Treehouse of Horrors, and then it kind of like like oh Treehouse of Horrors was on. Oh well, it was. It was it was okay, but you know they passed that moment of every year was a little bit better than the year before. But I would say any episode that had the aliens in it, those were my favorite. So yeah, I um, they for me they peaked very early because my favorite episode comes from Treehouse of Horror Six, which came out in nineteen ninety five. So this is a long time ago. That's actually uh, I think what was it, the release of the original PlayStation nineteen ninety five. Yeah. Whew. Hitting on all of his cylinders here. But my favorite episode was when Willie, essentially, I think it's a kind of a play on Nightmare on Elm Street, but where Willie basically comes this murderous groundskeeper. And um, yeah, that, I think that's my favorite episode. I'm, I'm a reading here from the um, from the synopsis from just the, the whole episode itself. Homer is sucked into a 3D digital dimension and ends up trapped in the real non-animated world. Elsewhere, Bart, Lisa, and Maggie fight the ghost of Groundskeeper Willie in the Dreamland, and the Duff Cowboy, Lard Lad, and Professor Peanut escape from their billboards for a reign of terror. And I think actually the episode with Lard Lad, where he's going on his reign of terror, is actually referenced in the Simpsons video game, if I'm if I'm not wrong, because I think you have to fight Lard Lad in that game. So, yeah, but my favorite episode from that is the the Groundskeeper Willie when he becomes a murderous uh villain because i think also he he turns into like a giant plow or a tractor or something in the episode but uh yeah yeah definitely a play on nightmare on elm street there which is really cool and he's even got the the striped sweater on so yeah that that has to be my favorite treehouse of horror segment so listeners if you have any treehouse of horror memories coming up here for halloween in october please drop them in the in the facebook create a thread let's uh let's get this Keep this conversation going. Uh, of course, Yield, we can't keep this conversation going too much longer because we've gone a hundred, a hundred, a hundred. No, we have not gone that long. We've gone an hour and 33 minutes, Yield. Are you uh, you ready to wrap this up and get out of here for the night? Yeah, let's call it a week. All right, Yield. 
Well, how about you start us off with some shout outs? So I'll give a shout out to Double Fine. Uh, I, have, I have kind of gone on a Double Fine kick lately with Grim Fandango and Brutal Legend. And I, you know, I enjoy their games. You know, very, very good stories, good gameplay. Um, shout out to Alex for putting together the show notes record night. Shout out to Tricky for, uh, well, for his birthday because he's not here tonight. Uh, shout out to Mark and Homer and Rick for all of the questions for this week. Uh, shout out to you, all the pimps and madams of the whoredom, for act- interacting with social media, hanging out with us, listening to the show, all that. Um, and a shout out to my wife, whose birthday will be next Sunday, or this coming Sunday. So so she she's uh, an October baby. Yes. You know, I do I do like my birth month of December, but October just because of where it falls and like the seasons and how it's all like fall and spooky. Well, October's a pretty cool month to have a birthday too. All, all the cool kids were born in December. I'm just saying. I don't I mean I don't disagree. I mean, I don't know how cool I am, but uh, I I definitely would like to think that I'm pretty cool at least cool enough to be part of the cool kids group on December birthdays. You are. Uh, you l- let me ask you a question. You know, it's probably right. going to be a little bit before you play Psychonauts, but Psychonauts two at least, unless you buy it on the PlayStation Four, because you definitely can't do that. But how many more games do you have to play through in your PS three backlog before you crack open that PS five? Three or four. Okay, so you'll definitely be be there by the end of the year. Yeah, we're trying to work through. Them. I, I was I was going to start Heavy Rain, and I didn't have enough room on my three. So we were going, so that's why we started Hitman Absolution. Well, now I found out that I I can't get the platinum, so I'm just gonna be like, well, I Hitman games, I hit, excuse me, Hitman games I've always wanted to get into, but at the same time, I enjoy them more watching somebody play them because I I am just not good at them. But I did pick up Hitman for the PlayStation 4 because it was really cheap. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to dive into this since since they've rebooted it. But I was going to give Absolution a go. But since I can't get the Platinum, you know what? I'll just move on. Well, I mean, there you go. If, if trophies or Platinum for a thing, there'd just be some games that, you know, even if you got them free for PlayStation Plus, you probably wouldn't even play through. Yeah, you're right. All right, well... Give some shout-outs here before we get out of here. We'll give a shout-out to the listeners, the community, the fans, the fuel to the fire that is Trophy Horrors. Uh, thank you guys for listening, supporting us, posting questions in the chat, or I should say the Facebook threads. Also, uh, support us on Twitch, on our Rocket League Thursdays. Just in general, being a great community, always fostering thoughtful conversations with us. I do want to give a, a preview of next week's episode. Tricky should hopefully be back, because... As we know, we've got the trophy war coming up between Daryl's team and, Tri- and Tricky's team, so they want to pump that up. But so next week, I don't want to oversell and then underliver again by saying someone's going to be on the show and then not be on the show. But heads up, we should have not only me and Yield. We're going from the op- the complete opposite of the least amount of people we could have on the show to probably the most amount of people we could have on the show. And uh, next week it should be me, Tricky, Yield, Levi, Levi. and Daryl. I oh, believe is coming on. And Daryl, yeah. So there's, oh, that's right, because Tricky and him have to talk smack. So there's definitely, as a way to promote the Trophy War, the upcoming Trophy War, yes, that's I'm less than a month away, so they got to get prepared for that. Obviously, Levi's going to come on and give us an update on the Be Legit. 
And uh, yeah, so there could be definitely be some fireworks next week because there's going to be a lot of shit talkers, especially when you have mortal enemies like Daryl and Tricky in the same space. You know, maybe not in the same actual room, but in the same virtual space. There's bound to be some fireworks, so definitely check out next week's episode as well. I'm bringing my po- I'm bringing the popcorn. They're bringing it home. They're bringing some pop secret pop quiz. You remember that those that uh, the different colored multicolored popcorn that they released back when we were kids? Like they had the purple and the green and the blue. I think yeah, and orange. Vaguely, but yeah. Well, if you can't remember that, then bring some of that tri popcorn, like the buttered kind, but also like the caramel popcorn and the cheese popcorn. You'll oh yeah, oh yeah. Did you? And, and and I've also I'm also gonna bring a little bit of gas because I'm sure I'll dump a little fuel on this fire. I mean, I, I can definitely see you doing that. I, I don't think that you would let Tricky get out of here without you know going over a few stumbling blocks and him him and Daryl throwing a few verbal haymakers at uh, at each other. I mean, we've kind of already promised it, so it's got to happen, right? It's got to happen. It's going to happen. Gotta, we got to play sort of trolls and uh, come outside of the br- come up from beneath the bridge and you know whisper things into each other's ears, plays both sides and be like, did you hear what Daryl said? Well, Tricky, now are you going to, or Daryl, you're going to let Tricky get away with something on that? So exactly. Yeah, we got we to make the shows more interesting somehow. Yeah. Especially after they've had to just listen to us, both of us just drone on Drama. two straight episodes, me being pissed off at the man eater <laughs> and Activision. And uh, yeah, we got to, we got to have, we got to have something besides angry Alex bringing, bringing uh, the drama to the show. But uh, to finish off my shout outs, I uh, give a shout out to, um, well, I can't give a shout out to Tripwire since that's the latest game I've been playing, but give a shout out to Yield for joining me tonight. A shout out to Tricky for his birthday. Happy birthday, Tricky. Even though I gave you, a, I already gave you a Facebook post. Happy birthday. I guess I can give you one here on the show as well. I guess you've earned that much over the years. Uh, give a shout out last but not least to my loving and awesome girlfriend, Ashley. I love you, honey. And that is going to bring us to the end of episode 487, three episodes away from 500. And apparently Tricky has a plan that neither Yield or I are privy to yet, so uh, so we'll see. But uh, get hyped for next week's episode when we have Levi and Daryl on, and then also get hyped because we're just a few episodes away from 500. And uh, yeah, until next week, happy trophy hunt. See you next week. The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines. <laughs> <laughs>